0: Hey, everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast, where we cover everything from crypto trading and investing to NFTs, decentralized finance and so much more. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell financial products. This podcast is sponsored by CoinFlex, the home of crypto yield. Whether you're passively managing money or taking an actively managed approach, you can earn and trade crypto easily on CoinFlex, which sees over $2 billion in daily trading volume. CoinFlex is committed to making crypto derivatives yield accessible to everyone, whether you are investing hundreds or thousands of dollars and more. With a newly launched automated market making product called AMM Plus, you can earn yield on crypto by providing liquidity into the futures markets. The AMM Plus is 10 times more capital efficient than other automated market makers and offers multiple collateral types so that you can earn more with less. Interested in learning more about CoinFlex and trying out the AMM Plus? Head over to coinflex.com slash AMM to get started and let the market work for you.
1: Hey, Mateo, uh, welcome to Crypto Unstacked.
2: Excellent. Thanks. Good to be here, Sudo. Appreciate it.
1: So for everyone out there Trigonex has been a long-time customer on Coinflex. They were a customer on uh, in our version 1. Then we pivoted to the version 2. They were, were a very good customer there as well and so they've been along uh, the journey with Coinflex and and physical futures and and basis trading which we'll come back to a little in a little bit. But uh, it's fantastic to finally have you in person. Yeah. Yeah, I remember actually um unrelated and not knowing you at the time that I think we first bumped into each other in uh, 2019 in Hong Kong during Crypto 49 uh Token 49.
2: That's right. Yeah, I remember that. We had a um you guys put on a poker game. I think I came I think I got, ended up coming third. Well, I got to the final table and uh got pipped at the post by one of the other guys, so it was a good 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 tournament actually.
1: It was. Yeah, I think I think you definitely came third and the person who came first was also an interesting uh, person because he then went on to be one of the uh, senior principals at Paradigm. A guy called Arjun Balaji.
2: Arjun, yeah, Arjun, yeah, he definitely had the better of me. <laughs>
1: Fantastic, <laughs> Matteo. Um, looking through your your kind of background here, and it's it's absolutely fascinating. So I just wanted to spend a, a few minutes, um, you know, sort of going through that, which was the fact that you sort of have a uh, law law background, and you also are kind of a commercial pilot. And a football player. So, in which order did all of that start?
2: Well, as a, I mean, as a kid, I always wanted to play professional. I'll t- use the term football because I'm talking to Englishmen. Yeah. It was my dream. I got a, you know, Italian background. Dream to go and play over over in Italy. Ended up after or just after school, you know, got a got a gig over there in um, the Serie. Or I, it was it was with the Primavera team in Serie uh, and AC Milan, and then. Ended up getting uh, lent out to a, a Setia B club, which is the last play there for a couple of years. And that was kind of a, kind of the dream to do that. I ended up having to come home and uh, doing after that, had a, um, it was just after September 11 and ended up staying, staying back in Australia after that, doing my law degree and kind of went on to other things from there. Oh, wow. And then what about this commercial pilots uh, background? I grew up uh, as a kid on a cattle station. So in in, I'm not sure if you're in Australia. There's uh, the cattle stations are broken up into million acres, so quite enormous. Yeah, yeah. So so as a kid, we used to you know muster cattle and ended up you know through the years getting my helicopter's license because we used to do all the helicopter mustering, you know, with the cattle because it's such large, expansive territory. You can't do it just on horses. So had a couple of about four or five years doing that whilst we grew up on the station. So
1: so out of uh, Bond University, where you studied law, when did your sort of trading journey begin? Was it in crypto first or was it uh, into sort of traditional space?
2: So we Trigon started about 10, 15 years ago, effectively starting out trading equities, FX and commodities. So we did a lot of oil, gold, and then uh, just, just FX. So that that was effectively how I, I started for our family office, and then uh, you know crypto came along about eight years ago for us. Dad, my dad came along and said, "Hey, what's this Bitcoin thing?" At the time, I, my dad's seventy. I didn't I didn't know about it. I mean, I heard things about it, but I, I'm not that technical. So I, my dad told me about it, and I was, which is you know you probably wouldn't think that, but so then we started investigating it. it took us a year or two by the time we started being able to get into the space you know we started investing through our family office and then and then uh trading it you know 70 percent of what we trade now as a as a trading firm is, is is crypto we do you know fx now and some other assets as well
1: so in terms of kind of honing your skills going back to sort of uh, the start of trigon how did you learn to trade was it sort of by by trial and error did you sort of uh...
2: basically trial and error so we we started trading on the asx we just focused and we—we we, I mean, this is about ten years ago. We primarily traded BHP shares, which were uh, the largest traded stock on the on the ASX.
1: It's a it's a mining stock, is that right? Or
2: yeah, mining stock BHP Billiton, basically the largest. I think that were at the time the largest miner in the world. So, and, and Australia, they started in Australia. We it was in those days, it was the the mining boom in Australia, and it wasn't really I I don't think we were that technical. Effectively, we were just trading warrants. Kind of like options, but just a little bit different derivatives on the on the ASX, and we're the largest, you know, single trader of BHP shares on on the ASX. And so we did that for maybe two or three years, and just you know focused on simple strategies. And you know we weren't doing any high frequency trading; it was just taking position positional trades, basically because we had it. We we had a bit of an idea what the market was doing at the time, and I, I don't I don't think it was. That were, you know, especially that good. It was just the fact that the the market was quite easy to trade at that time. So we took advantage of that. And then uh, from there, we started trading gold and silver and oil and the S&P. They're they're the main assets that we effectively traded along with FX and then moved to, um, yeah, that's when after that, that's when crypto came along. We started, you know, started focusing our efforts towards that.
1: So presumably, when you guys sort of discovered crypto, was it just sort of a buy and hold type of strategy, or what were you thinking at the time?
2: Yeah, initially there was a there was actually a large auction in Australia. I think it was Ernst and Young or one of the accounting firms, and I think there was a part of the Silk Road um, coins that were being uh, auctioned off in Australia. There was a I forget how much there was, and we put a bid in for for, for those. I think we got pipped by. Could have been. Um, I don't know who exactly got them, but I'm presuming it's someone Novogratz or uh, one of the other guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, it might be DRW because I think they Cumberland one were very kind of aggressive in a lot of the, uh, the Silk Road and the, the Sheriff's auctions, I believe. But but yeah, it could be any one of them.
2: Yeah, so that was a we we didn't we ended up just going through some traditional methods to when I say traditional in those days it was put cash in the bank and send it off somewhere and somehow coins appear on your computer. And I didn't kind of know how that, uh, you know, a long way since then. But so we started that way. We needed to build up our, and, and effectively it was just the main thing that we wanted to do was just make sure that if we, we were going to hold this position, how can we exit, you know, if we needed to or, or you know, maintain liquidity, you know. So, so we built up, we established banking relationships. That was a key thing that we did in those days pretty hard. And that was the, the the key thing. And then we started trading. Effectively we did a lot of basis trading. That was really, you know, just generating yield on on, on our assets. So that was, you know, a standard thing that we we, we used to do and, and, and still do.
1: And this kind sort of coin portfolio essentially, is it extended beyond Bitcoin into into other coins as well? Or
2: Yep. So obviously, you know, Ethereum, you know, we hold other other assets as well. Like a lot of you know, some of the DeFi assets now. For varying periods but we tend to have the focus or the 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 idea that this space is going to be around for a lot longer which i'm sure we've all got that same same kind of focus and and holding for the longer term is kind of one of our main thesis and so generating a return on that is kind of what the you know the main side of the prop trading does
1: right and do you own any uh, dog coins
2: (laughs) trading some shib the other day actually so that's it getting a bit of Getting a bit of a, a highlight at the moment, so
1: yeah, I have no idea what to make of it. I know we've uh, we've got both Doge and Shiba on on Coinflex, and and Shiba has been trading up a storm this last uh, this last week. So
2: about four years ago, we started offering our services a you know, market maker, liquidity provider, and as an as an OTC desk. So one of the sort of key ones here in Australia now, and whatever clients want to trade, we'll trade for them.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Australia because uh, it's been a sort of an interesting region, country for us, continent almost, because um, there's a lot of business in, a lot of sort of market makers and liquidity providers that come out of Australia. So certainly on the liquidity providing side, there's a lot of activity. But from the kind of retail side, obviously, it's, it's, you know, we do have Australian customers, I guess it's it's tough to say, you know, you don't hear so much about them as opposed to the uh the kind of big trading firms side of it. How how is that sort of from a from a retail perspective, how how is crypto being adopted there? Is it the sort of same
2: Yeah, as far as far as I'm aware, and i you know, I don't have the stats, but I think per capita, Australia has you know, like a, you know, a very high number of crypto participants. And just from you know, we we have Trigon has clients out of Asia, out of US and then Europe. And then you know, we do tend to see a lot of Australian-based firms now. As, and, 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 I mean, there's a lot of, there's a couple of ETFs that have just started on, on the ASX. Not, uh, obviously, you know, Bitcoin ETFs, but ETFs that track miners. So, and there's, a, there's actually quite a few uh, very good funds, uh, Australian-based funds, you know, crypto-focused. So, so we tend to deal with, with, with a few of those.
1: Yeah, because it's—I uh, know the the Aussie government has been sort of, or regulators has been trying to kind of put new rules around crypto and be proactive. I think rather than uh, than be react or negatively axed, like you say in Hong Kong or in in London with the FCA. So I think I think that's good. Obviously, you know, investor protection is important, but obviously, going overboard with uh, clamping down on on what retail and passive investors want isn't good either, right? And the Aussie government I mean, the regulator seems seems to be trying to do a good thing right
2: after the uh, you know singapore mas australia's it's Track here that not necessarily regulates but has a registration process for digital currency businesses in australia i think they're the second in the world after singapore to have a you know a, a registration process and, and and some form of regulation so they are very proactive in that side and recently the AUSTRAC, which is like your FinCEN, you know, FCA uh, equivalent, they just put out a, I just got an email today actually saying that they're aiming to reduce the the amount of debanking that is incurring within the Australian banking industry to uh, crypto firms. I think they're just saying that they're frowning against banks, debanking, you know, crypto customers that are comply with all the AML KYC requirements. So, which is probably a good step. And I think, you know, there's a key uh, key government that's trying to push that, so I think it's going to be a good for, for for Australian-based firms.
1: The other interesting thing we've been seeing, sort of generally, is um, a lot more interest coming in from family offices, particularly around the the yield products. Like like Flex USD is a is is one where we've seen in in particularly in Asia, family offices grasp the you know they're not necess- necessarily ready for the long Bitcoin or long ETH exposures any any substantial size but they're very very interested in the dollar based yields that crypto generates ie basis yeah i mean how's how is the uh, the, the family office side going in in australia
2: look i think they're getting we have a few family offices that and uh, and and trading desks that we support as well as funds i think they're getting the hang of and we we aim to deal with traditional brokerage firms who come from equities and then want to offer their clients crypto and they're kind of trying to understand the whole custody scenario, how that works. And so getting a yield in this market that they just just don't get it, it's pretty hard to (laughs) explain to them. But once you go through the futures curve and the yield curve that they can generate, I think that pricks their interest and I think that gives them a lot more comfort.
1: Yeah, because I mean, look, you know, Aussie rates are higher than than U.S. rates and, and European rates, but but it's still nowhere close to uh, nowhere close to where deploying crypto dollars gets you, right? So, you know, if we can get get these family offices comfortable with custodians or you know or, or intermediaries like like you guys, because you guys know how to handle crypto, it's got to be a good thing, I think.
2: No, 100%. I agree. I think it's. I think nowadays a lot of everyone's wanting to you know look for yield and there is no better place to get it than crypto so I don't think uh, you and I are on the same page about that just trying to just trying to get get that understanding and awareness and, and trust I guess you know from a coming from traditional brokerage firms how do they allow their clients to get that exposure with without the you know risk of custody et cetera
1: and the other thing we were reading was uh, there was you know there's, there's a lot more activity around tokenization going on there's farmland in, in New Zealand getting tokenized and is that kind of wave hitting Australia as well maybe you know kind of
2: yeah we actually had a client who sold an island and it was a, a tokenized they did a, like a security token over on an island just off the shore of Australia and ended up selling it through that method i think i think it's a bit of a bit of bit of hype in that regard whether whether there was some value there but I do think the whole tokenization is is a game changer. I mean, the ASX is looking at, if not already, they're looking at using uh, blockchain technology to settle transactions. So that's going to be, I think it's just everyone's interested in that, that side of the market.
1: Yeah, the ASX, ASX and the settlement is kind of interesting because I first heard about it years ago and I still... Don't really hear, my, you know. You know, there doesn't seem to be huge progress on it, right? I mean, it's still talked about and with nothing concrete. And I, I saw something the other day that's been knocked back another year or two again, which is kind of
2: baffling. Well, that's right. I, I don't. I think a lot of these firms are trying to get kind of perhaps pressed that they wanting to use blockchain technology and how how um how much or how relevant it can be is secondary. I think it's. I think it will get there. Just. There's a, unfortunately they have got a lot of regulation they got to follow, whereas the, you know the DeFi space can move a bit quicker.
1: Is there any mention from the Aussie uh, futures exchanges around listing crypto futures at all, or is there any talk around that?
2: I haven't heard any. I mean, obviously, you know, probably if they're going to a lot of Australian-based firms, trading firms, I'd, you know, that most likely just connect to the CME or brokerage that can get access through the through the CMA. I would suggest.
1: Yeah, I mean the CME is, is look. Uh, you know, what the interesting stat I saw this week was that CME now has the largest open interest in in Bitcoin futures. Right, it's, it's overtaken Binance. It's absolutely amazing. You know, given you know given the extremely low leverage on that, it, it shows real flows of funds into into CME for for institutional firms to take a position, which is uh, got to be good for space.
2: It obviously shows that you know there's the term everyone's saying the institutions are coming, but you can see that that's you know that that's the case so and it's only it's only good for you know everyone in 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 the market
1: and just to wrap it up Matteo. so what are the plans for trigon now are you are you a single family office are you a multi-family office i know you do execution for for customers already how's the the, the kind of family office investment side
2: there's two sides to our business one's the you know family office and then the proprietary trading that we execute you know with our own funds and then the OTC business or market making, you know, brokerage side that we offer. My aim now is really to, to to grow the brokerage side because we're aiming to bridge that gap between the traditional brokerage firms. I'm talking equities and locally within the region and and in Asia, who want to get access to the crypto market in a you know secure secure way, effectively. So. We we you know we use fireblocks as a custodian, which we found you know very good. I think you guys you know use, use them as well, which is excellent from a custody side for us. And then you know if if brokerage firms want to have you know custody with a third party insured, we have a couple of insurance options that they can utilize and, and that's really what we're trying to show that these brokerage firms that they can get access to the market in a secure way, in a traditional format that they, they're probably used to you know that's that's really what what we're aiming to do now
1: fantastic well best of luck with that and i glad that everyone's still growing the crypto ecosystem Mateo. so thank you so much for your time i know it's late for you there down in uh, brisbane and and speak to you soon
2: excellent thanks Suda. i appreciate your time good luck